This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 542. And you're listening to The Daniel Glass Show, only on Drummer's Resource. This is it, right here. Uh-huh. Then you gotta add some with the little tricks. Ah, ah, you'll be swinging. Uh-huh. Right. It's The Daniel Glass Show on Drummer's Resource, offering a deeper look into Daniel's unique take on music, drumming, and life. Philosophy, motivation, musical deconstructions, and conversations with influential voices in the music industry. Hey everybody, it is Daniel Glass. I want to welcome you back to another episode of The Daniel Glass Show, only here on Drummer's Resource. And before we jump into today's topic, Dreaming Your Future, I want to just give an update, the Daniel Glass European Jazz Intensive, the first annual Daniel Glass European Jazz Intensive, is about halfway sold now. It's going to be happening April 14th through 18th, 2020, at this amazing music school in Usthofen, Germany, called the Groovkist. Um, if you want to check out more about it, it's going to be really special and unique. I may indeed do an entire podcast about the jazz intensives upcoming just so you can get a better idea of what they're all about and why I decided to do them but that uh if you want to learn more about that that is happening at uh or rather you can go to my website to the clinics slash intensives tab at danielglass.com and all the information is there uh pretty soon i'll have a master video up but right now there's some other videos about the new york jazz intensive uh, and a video about what the Groove Kiss looks like, where we're going to be, which is uh, right a six, literally a six-minute train ride from an incredible medieval city called Worms. For those of us English speakers, we would spell that Worms. Um, the whole thing is about an hour from Frankfurt, so you just fly into Frankfurt, jump a quick train down. But we're going to be running over to Worms for some cultural things, having some amazing food there in Germany. There's a uh, custom drum maker uh, whose workshop is right there. We're going to be visiting him. He just uh, made an amazing, um, now I can't remember the the composer, but he made a stave snare drum from a uh, wine barrel from the time, I believe, of Wagner. Uh, So 200-year-old wood. um, And uh, lots and lots of other cool things, in addition to, of course, all the jazz education, motivation, inspiration, to quote Nick Ruffini, and um, I'll be bringing my New York trio out with me, uh, Sean Harkness on guitar, Michael O'Brien on bass. They're both absolute top-level New York cats, and uh, we'll be working intimately with them the entire time. Actually, much more than we normally do in the New York um, in the New York event. So that is coming up, the inaugural Daniel Glass European Jazz Intensive, April 14th through 18th, 2020. And we're just getting ready to put the finishing touches on the fifth annual New York Daniel Glass Jazz Intensive. Uh, at the uh, We do it every year at the Collective School of Music, the Drummers Collective. And I'm hoping to nail down an incredibly awesome special guest this year. As you know, in the past, we've had guys like uh, Kenny Washington, Carl Allen, Sean Pelton, Billy Ward. Amazing guests. And this year, if I can get the the guy that I'm hoping to get, uh, it's going to be some incredible, incredible. I'm one of the top jazz educators in the world. So check all that out at the intensives slash, or rather clinic slash intensives tab at danielglass.com. Okay, enough with the promotion. 
Let's move into the topic today, which I call dreaming your future. Now, this kind of maybe smacks of something that a motivational speaker might say, you know, yeah, man, you can dream your way into your future. Um, But believe it or not, this actually has worked for me in some incredibly concrete ways. And I've come to um, find that sort of, I don't know if I'd call it a technique, but um, a phenomenon, a state of mind using this particular state of mind has helped me to make enormous strides in my career. And I'm going to share some of those very, very concrete ways in which I have implemented uh, dreams and dreaming. And, uh, you know, you might call it daydreaming even, but really uh, visualizing, I suppose you could say, my my future. And just to, to tell you about my own personal history with regard to this, I used to be very cynical about these kinds of motivational speakery kinds of things and visualize and, you know, say uh, positive affirmations and all that kind of stuff. I thought it was all just a bunch of hooey. But at some point along the way, I actually started to implement some of these things and some pretty incredible things happened in terms of, you know, I had been working and struggling and striving for a long time to develop my career. I certainly... uh, you know, it spent two or three years after I got out of music school, I, I spent a couple of really heavy poverty-stricken years just trying to figure out what was going on. And then I had my time with Royal Crown Review. But when that sort of started to, you know, when it peaked and and then the work for that band started to lessen, I ended up, um, this is sort of around the early 2000s. Of course, it's right, right uh, post 9-11 after 2001. I actually got divorced Uh, went through some really tough personal times, and I was trying to sort of refocus and reestablish myself as an educator and a clinician and an author, and I was struggling with all of it. I hadn't really done very many clinics. Nobody was all that interested in having me do clinics. Uh, I, you know, I had written a few articles, um, but didn't have a lot of experience under my belt, didn't have a lot of confidence under my belt. And I was just really struggling personally trying to establish this new facet of my career to create my brand, as it were. Um, You know, already now this is like, we're talking 99, 2000, 2001, 2002, all, all those years I was trying to kind of get this off the ground. Certainly still playing with Royal Crown Review quite a bit, but as I said, that was becoming less and less of a 100% full-time gig for me. And so along the way, I read a couple of books, and I probably have talked about this in a previous podcast. I read a book by a guy named Wayne Dyer, and he's a very popular author, uh, kind of spiritual type of an author. But he wrote this book called Manifest Your Destiny, which is kind of a takeoff on the classic term manifest destiny, which is more of a historical term, having to do more with colon, uh, Western European powers, considering that it was their destiny to kind of take over all of these, uh, you know, colonies, these 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 new worlds, these uh, to dominate these these natives that lived there. But this is sort of a takeoff on that phrase, manifest destiny, and it really the idea was, hey, you know, you can create your own future. You can make your own way in the world 
you can determine what your destiny is going to be. And around the same time, I had been hanging out quite a bit with Zorro. Zorro very much had that uh, kind of a approach. You know, he was he is a self-made man. He was forever giving me motivational speeches. I mean, you know, thank goodness Zorro was really one of my absolute um, mentors and saviors during this point in my life. We were working on a project together, but beyond that, he was filled with positive energy. I was, I was, like I said, I was pretty dark. So, you know, and Zorro would tell me, Zorro's a very religious fellow, probably many of you out there know that. He's a, a, a very uh, devout Christian. And he would say, look, I get up every morning at 5 a.m. and I go out in the yard with my Bible by myself and I just, you know, I don't know if he read specific passages or he just meditated on, you know, whatever, wherever he was at, or he just opened it up to a random place, but he just opened his mind and, and, and in his words, he let the word of God just come to him. Um, I thought that was interesting. I'm not particularly a religious person, at least not in the traditional sense. Uh, but I started to f- try to do the same sorts of things. And Wayne Dyer's book has sort of its its uh, nine principles, you know, by which you can create your own future, I guess. Nine spiritual principles. And so I'm reading about spirituality from Wayne Dyer and hearing this stuff from Zorro. And I started, at, at the time, I was doing a yoga class once a week. I've been a practitioner of yoga, although I can't say all that. I'm no no Superman in that regard. I usually go about once a week to a class, but that has had a, a huge impact on my health and, and keeping me in pretty decent health over the years. And I, so I would go to yoga and, and I would start to say, well, you know, you want to write these books, Daniel, and you want to establish yourself as an author like Zorro. You want to establish yourself as a clinician. And I would it's just sort of like I was in a place where my mind could sort of empty and I could allow some thoughts to come in and thoughts would come to me. I would just suddenly start sort of chewing on, well, if I wanted to write a book about this, what would it look like? And I, I was able to, by being in this place where I'm sort of doing some physical activity and I'm supposed to sort of be focusing on it, I'm supposed to be emptying my mind, but it allowed new thoughts to come in. And I began to really look forward to my yoga sessions uh, because I knew I could sort of daydream without the busyness of everyday life constantly impacting me. You know, and of course, that's one of the biggest problems with us 21st century folk here in the modern world is that we continually are bombarded by incoming, uh, you know, data, as it were, uh, emails, phone calls, looking at the computer, uh, jumping around on social media, the TV being on. You know, our brains are filled with technological input all the time. And it's difficult for us to carve away some space to quiet our minds, to allow something that, you know, Taking yourself to the next level, dreaming your future, as it were, requires a calm mind or a calm frame of mind. Another great place that I, uh, I used to be a runner and I ran for many, many years. 
and running was another time that I could open my mind to these sorts of um, ideas. I used to work on song lyrics when I was running. I remember being in Las Vegas with Royal Crown Review at the Las Vegas Hilton out there. And we had a two-week stint, and they had a like a little man-made running track that sort of wound around the Hilton property on the outside. And I would go on that track and run, and I remember chewing away on some lyrics that I was working on uh, for a song for the band. So that's another kind of place where you, it's an opportunity to, to open your mind. And you've really got to try to open it and clear it to allow yourself to drop in and focus deeply on something. For any of you who've actually tried to write a book or write a song, you know, create something out of nothing on a blank page, you realize very quickly how hard it is to do. And you realize also that if you're going to do it, you've got to, you know, find some quiet. I remember David Lynch, the famous movie director, uh, he used to talk about that when he would write scripts, he would do so in a completely empty room. He literally had a room in his house that had nothing in it except for a table and, you know, his computer or his pad and, and pen. And if, to him, he, if his mind was going to be uncluttered and, and allowed room to focus, then he, would, he needed to have nothing around him, none of his stuff, because our stuff, at least in his mind, distracted him or clogged up the 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 uh, the process uh, quite a bit, and I'm I'm here in New York City, and so if you hear sirens in the background, it's just Broadway Avenue with uh, fire trucks and ambulances going by. Ambiance, baby, ambiance. Anyway, I so another instance of of where I would dream, not so much dream my future, but more along the lines of the David Lynch thing. Um, I had a neighbor in Los Angeles, an older gentleman who was super cool. He was himself an author and an intellectual. He was a, a real thinker. He was in his 90s. His name was Richard, and he was a neighbor of mine, and we became friendly. And um, his family ha- owned a beach house down uh, a, a sort of halfway between Los Angeles and San Diego, I think around San Juan Capistrano area of California, right on the coast. And he said, look, you know, because we would talk about writing. He, he also had written several books. And he told me, if you ever need to get away, just take, you know, take my, the keys, go down to the beach house and do some writing down there. So I actually did that a few times. I would go down, I couldn't get away very much, but I would go for a couple of days and I would just put everything aside and literally spend, you know, 14 hours a day just hammering away on the books. Even if I didn't come up with anything great or I just threw out a lot of raw, raw material, it helped me to get into a zone where I could truly focus a little bit better. So, and that's, you know, that's a problem for me. I'm sure it's a problem for everybody. How do you focus? How do you um, step away? And of course, more that time has gone on in this 21st century, the worse it gets because there are more and more ways to for us to fill up our minds with nonsense and keep ourselves distracted, right? And that's how our attention spans get shorter because we constantly, oh, I'm just sitting here with nothing to do. Let me pick up my phone and scroll through Instagram or whatever. So all those things, you know, got me into this frame of mind where I started to really um, dream my future. I think the most, you know, 
impactful version of this. And, 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 you know, all this was happening around the same time, the early 2000s, uh, helped me to sort of outline how I was going to present the evolution of drumming, historical styles of drumming, how I was going to use my skill set to create kind of a world, you know, of the, the Daniel Glass drummer, author, educator brand. And I did a lot of thinking about it. And I was, you know, starting to write a couple of my books. And uh, believe me, it was not easy. Just because I was doing this, it didn't make any of it easier. But what it did do was help me to see what it could be. And I think that's, I think, the, the crux of it. Visualization. It's, it really does work, and it really is so important. I think most people don't allow themselves to visualize. They don't sit there and close their eyes and go, what if I was the rock star I want to become? What if I was the session musician I want to become? What if I was, you know, the person that I fantasize about, but don't even allow myself that opportunity to dream. And I think it, it's made even harder, especially at the beginning of our journey by, you know, a lot of naysayers, right? So, you know, of course, most of us have that experience where, yeah, I want to be a professional musician, or I want to, you know, make my living as a drummer, or just I want to be playing a band. Anytime we step away uh, I had a friend who always said it's like scorpions in a bowl. If one if one tries to get out, the others are going to claw at them and pull them back in. And, I, you know, that is absolutely true. Most people aren't happy with their lives, and most people don't follow their dreams. And, and you know, usually one leads to the other. You don't follow your dream, so you're not happy with your life. You settle for something either easier or that requires less work or is more secure, quote-unquote, and those who make the move, take the risk, take the leap, are generally uh, put down for it, criticized for it, don't get support for it, uh, because people are jealous and vindictive. You know, if you do something uh, that I'm too afraid to do, rather than being supportive, I'm going to try to tear you down or... Um, you know, say that you're going to fail. And so it's really hard to get away from those negative voices, both around us and the negative voice within. And, you know, so I, you have to, at, you know, when I was at that phase of the game, I had to look for mentors. And Zorro, you know, thankfully was one of my mentors. Freddie Gruber was one of my mentors. Um, and, Look for people that are doing what you want to do, are succeeding at what you want to do, even if you're not at that level yet. Um, and, you know, surround yourself with positive people who are going to believe in you, even if there's nothing yet to believe in. So, you know, seeing a positive outcome, right? And I I think I recall I, I'm a, I was a psychology major in, in, in college, and I remember distinctly that they would define the definition of a depressed person was someone who cannot see a positive outcome. So someone who is just, you know, no matter what, they refuse to believe that things are going to turn out good, or they can't, they just simply cannot see that things are going to turn out good. Well, you've got to be the other way. 
You know, if you're going to dream your future, you've got to believe that there is a positive outcome, and then you have to start imagining what that is going to look like. And, you know, visualization, there's a lot of different kinds of things. People make these, you know, boards where they literally cut out pictures from magazines showing, you know, the kind of things that they want to do or who they want to become. And they put up the board in their house. They look at it every day. I mean, I, I remember one time I, I, I got a, uh, I had a friend that had a, a, like a notepad and the notepad, instead of it being blank pages, it was $1 million checks and she would tear off a sheet and hand them out. And so I, I took this 1 million or $10 million check and I put it up right above my computer. I taped it, you know, like right above my computer so I could look at that every day and say, this is my, you know, my future. And, you know, stuff like that is silly, but we must reinforce our dreams and we must act as if they are going to happen. We must see the positive outcome and we have to just believe in it as it's formulating. But I find that the idea of dreaming, of giving myself daydream time, where I am doing some kind of activity that helps me to just relax or takes my mind off of, you know, the constant worrying of my brain and just allows me to get into this zone. And the more you kind of practice being in the zone of opening your mind, the more it will happen. And then, you know, without judgment about what it is you're dreaming about, just chew on it and start to say, you know, well, okay, maybe this is never going to come true, but what would it look like? You know, what would it look like? So my my story with regard to this, and maybe I've already told this, but it, it would have been a long time ago on, on a, one of my earliest podcasts. But, um, you know, I met Zorro, as I mentioned, and Zorro um, became a mentor, and we were working on articles together, and he was giving me a lot of positive reinforcement, and that was cool. And in 2005, he did the Modern Drummer Festival, which was, at the time, uh, the biggest and the most prestigious drum festival in the world. And I remember him giving me a copy of the DVD that he was on, and me watching it and being blown away by everybody who was on it, Keith Carlock, and uh, I'm trying to remember who else uh, was on that 2005 festival. Just amazing people. And I, some of these people were new to me, some I knew who they were. And, you know, me going, no, there's, I'm never going to be good enough to do that. I'm, I'm, you know, that's for the, the guys that are the real, you know, superstars. And I'm just struggling along and I'm in a stupid swing band and living in my own little world and, you know, just being really dark and negative about it. But I started to fantasize about being on the Modern Drummer Festival. And I remember at this particular period in time, this is again around 2005, seven, somewhere in there, eight, uh, maybe a little earlier, 2003 to 2007. I would go running out in a park near my house, big, uh, huge park. I was living in Los Angeles at the time. And the the run that I would do, the route, I was never a great, I was never a marathoner. I would run about three miles and that was it. You know, I, I never uh, wanted to uh, run. I hated it, you know, but I, I did it because I, I, I would feel good at the end of it. Anyway, the last chunk of this run was literally about a half mile up a very windy, steep uh, kind of dirt path. And it was completely exposed. There were no trees. A lot of the other park you'd run and you'd be underneath trees and it'd be shady. And it was relatively flat. And this was, uh, you know, at the beginning you'd do the run and you'd, you'd run a long, 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 long 
downhill. And then you'd come around, come back, a sort of slow, slow, slow uphill. And then the end, like I said, was steep. So that was the end of my run. That was my reward after doing two and a half miles. The last half mile was this brutal hill. And I'm like, I hate this because if it was a hot day, you're completely exposed to the sun. You know, Southern California can get pretty hot. And I started thinking, you know, what can I do to distract myself so I can get through this part of the run, the hardest part? And I started dreaming about the Modern Drummer Festival. And I started dreaming about the clinic that I would do and how it would go. I remembered how Zora's presentation went and how he described to me, you know, and his thing was about um, the halftime shuffle, like the Purdy shuffle, the, the halftime funk shuffle. And I was like, well, I wanted to do something about shuffles because we were already working on the, the commandments book together, which is all about shuffles, but the more sort of classic style of shuffles from the forties and fifties. And I was like, well, I mean, I could start talking about the history of the shuffles. And I started imagining the solo that I was going to put together. Cause of course, Zorro's, you know, clinic, uh, had a big, incredible solo at the end. And I started just imagining it. And every time I got to that last part of the run, I would just envision, you know, this, uh, story and and uh, this solo and and me being up on that stage talking about my um, you know whatever I had to say about shuffles and the history of shuffles and the different kind of shuffles and all that sort of thing. So, um, you know, this went on I'd say for at least a year, and in the meantime I'm doing my thing and whatnot. Uh, flash forward to 2009, the book that we were working on, The Commandments of Early Rhythm and Blues Drumming, which is, um, has been out now for 10 years, that finally came out. It took us eight years of work on it, and then we had to deal with another two or three after it was done to actually get it in the pipeline and get it released, properly released, because um, Warner Brothers Publishing at the time had been purchased by Alfred Publishing, and that whole process took a couple of years to to turn over. So, uh, you know, flash forward to 2009. Now things are moving a little faster for myself as a clinician. I'm doing more clinics. I'm getting more experience. During the eight years that we spent working on the Commandments book, I put out uh, at least two self-published books uh, on different topics. One was a uh, Royal Crown Review transcription book where I took like 25 Royal Crown Review songs and transcribed the grooves and talked about them. And the other was a book uh, about the history of rock and roll drumming that was initially an article in the Encyclopedia of Percussion about rock and roll, and then I turned it into a book. Anyway, 2009, we the book comes out and Zorro applies for us to do a clinic at the Percussive Art Society Convention, the PAS, PASIC, uh, to help promote the launch of the book. And because he's a heavyweight in the industry, everything goes through and everything happens. And uh, along the way, he helped me to... Uh, my, my stick company had gone under, and uh, he helped me to get signed with Vic Firth. So that's when I joined up with Vic Firth, already 10 years ago. So all these good things were happening. And... You know, that was a huge kind of coming out party. The place was packed. There was probably, you know, 2,000 people. The room was standing room only. We did the clinic together. It was a big success. I remember, you know, at this point, I was really digging in deep to to all, all of my shuffle type of uh, work. I, I remember um, I spent nine months practicing the exercises to prepare 
to record the CD for that book. Nine months of shedding. And then when it was over and we planned the clinic, I think I spent getting the material ready for the clinic another two or three months. I actually went down to Zorro's place. He was in Nashville at the time. Uh, I went down to Nashville a week early. We did a couple of test run clinics. And uh, I also spent hours and hours at Fork's drum closet in Nashville in a practice room trying to put the finishing touches on everything. You know, I, I mean, I had to do a drum battle with Zorro in front of 2,000 people, which, by the way, is up on YouTube, and it came out great. So maybe I'll put a link to that in the show notes. What I will say, though, is after the clinic, that very night, there, you know, there's always uh, in Indianapolis uh, a hang at the bar after the day's events are over. And we're all doing, you know, hanging out at the bar, kind of celebrating, having a couple of drinks. I get a tap on my shoulder. I turn around. It's Adam Badovsky from Modern Drummer Magazine. And he says, man, your clinic today with Zorro was really incredible. I love the book. And we'd love for you to be on next year's Modern Drummer Festival. And needless to say, you know, my jaw fell to the floor. But there it was. So I started dreaming about it seven years beforehand, and it happened. And I mean, trust me, I'm as surprised as anybody (laughs) about this, because I remember, you know, 2005, watching that DVD and just going, I'm never going to be in the league with these guys. I still don't really think I'm in the league with any of those guys with all those chops. But I had carved my own thing in the meantime, and I'd gone at it with a a fierceness and an intensity and a motivation and a drive uh, to succeed. And in my lane, I'm pretty darn good at what I do, and I'm pretty good at teaching people about it. So, you know, that was sort of the most palpable example of me dreaming my way into my future. And I, I haven't ever stopped. I moved to New York. I wasn't, I had to stop running. But nowadays I, I do yoga, uh, once a week again, different type of yoga. I go to the Y. How boring is that? But, you know, I go to the Y once a week. And then I get in the pool, and my form of sort of cardio is to swim, which I love, although it took me about six months of almost drowning every time I went in there just because it's it's hard. you got to breathe. It's a, it's a lot harder to breathe when your face is in the water <laughs> and you're trying to coordinate all that. Uh, but I... Um, I, I continue to, and what's even cooler, I dream when I'm in yoga, I dream when I'm in the pool, but where I really do my dreaming is in between when I go in the steam room. And then everything gets a bit surreal, it's hot and steaming there, I do my stretches, and I just sit there and begin to really think about whatever it is that I'm currently working on. And I'm currently working on a, a huge new project that I don't really want to talk about quite yet, Um but I'm really excited about it, and it's slowly coming together. So you're going to be hearing more from me about that uh, in the next few months. But I, it takes a lot of dreaming, because <laughs> it's a giant endeavor, and the way I want to do it is very complex and has a lot of moving parts. But I'm very excited about it and scared as well. You know, And you think, oh, yeah, Daniel's put out five books and three DVDs, and you know, he teaches Skype lessons, and he's played a lot of big gigs, and he's done a lot of big clinics, so he's probably not really, nothing phases him. Well, guess what? <laughs> Wrong. You know, with every new project, every new project, there's that old fear of, what if this fails, and everyone's going to laugh at me and realize I'm I'm just a, you know, a fraud, and, you know, all of that kind of stuff that we, that we you know, uh, whatever they call it, uh, 
uh, oh, imposter syndrome. That's what it is. Imposter You know, they're all going to discover I'm just an imposter. So, you know, that never really goes away. And especially when you attempt something um, that's on a large scale. And I like my large scale projects, my large scale, you know, things that, again, people are going to say, oh, no, that's not, you know, that's not, nobody could do that. That can't be done. Teaching about drum history? No, no one's interested in that. So anyway, and then then that just pushes me to prove people wrong, <laughs> maybe to my own detriment. But um, no, I, it's 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 been good. So you know, I'll leave it there for today. Um, try it. Find a regular activity you can do: walking, athletics. You know, going in the steam room, doing yoga, meditation if that's what you're into. Sitting with your Bible, if that's what you're into, unplug, get out, and just sit. And if something, if you're not where you want to be, then start to think about where you want to be and start imagining what that would be like. And that really becomes step one, because if you can visualize it, you can see it happen, then you can, it can happen. If you refuse or don't allow yourself to ever even visualize it happening, chances are it's not going to happen. So, um, you know, there it is. So thanks for listening. I appreciate always the great comments I get. I get wonderful feedback from, you know, the, the listeners to this podcast. And uh, if you are enjoying it, please make sure you uh, post a good review um, for Drummer's Resource Podcast. You can write a comment in the show notes page or uh, feel free to contact me directly with any questions or comments that you have, especially if you have any requests for the kind of material you'd like to see on future podcasts. So, for the Daniel Glass Show, only here on Drummer's Resource, I bid you a fond day, and keep dreaming, people. 